What's it like to be alive right now? Maybe one day we'll tell our children and grandchildren what it was like to live in the age of coronavirus. 20 years from now, I'm going to tell them the church didn't back down from this. This isn't too big for our God. I want them to know that, that the church responded. On this special episode of Stories of Hope, people who have no home, no resources, no English language skills, what happens to them when a global pandemic comes to their neighborhood? In part five of this special Stories of Hope, missionaries at Send Relief Ministry Centers tell what they're doing and what God is doing for people who are already struggling with the basics of life, even before COVID-19. From Send Relief, this is Stories of Hope, The Age of Coronavirus, part five. Puerto Rico and New Orleans, Clarkston and Pittsburgh, New York City and Appalachia, in each of these places, there is a Send Relief Ministry Center. And in each of those ministry centers, nothing is as it was. The coronavirus is changing these communities in ways that aren't showing up on your social media feed or tonight's nightly news. But what's happening in these places is important. And that's why this episode is not so much a story as it is a series of conversations. We begin with Trent DeLoach at the Send Relief Ministry Center in Clarkston, Georgia a community Time Magazine once called the most diverse square mile in America. Here's Stories of Hope producer Tony Hudson. Trent, thanks for talking with us. I heard you say one time that three-fourths of the people in Clarkston speak a language other than English. Exactly. That language barrier has got to make communicating what's going on so much harder. Am I right? Oh, yeah. And then um, we are, I mean getting different flyers and, you know, medical information translated into multiple languages. And we've agreed to volunteer to help to kind of distribute some of that information. Um, and so we're trying to overcome that language barrier, but you're also up against cultures that one, this is not their first pandemic. Two, they're very communal in nature. And so telling them to stop gathering, even when there's a pandemic going on is, is a pretty, pretty tough task. Wow. And I imagine that language issue also extends to kids being out of school, right? I mean, doing school at home is not going to come easy for refugee kids. Oh, yeah. You know, there's over 13,000 people in Clarkston, and half of that population is 18 or younger. And so you have a lot of children and large families now engaging in, uh, you know, at-home learning. And that looks like it's going to be the strategy for the remainder of the school year. And so I'm sitting here trying to process how in the world does at-home learning work when you've got six or seven children and either no computer or only one computer, okay? And how's at-home learning going to work, especially if for various reasons the parents are not able to help the children? So do pray for our children, our youth. that the strategies in place for at-home learning that has some significant gaps and how in the world that's going to play out. Pray we have wisdom on how to close those gaps. That was Trent Deloach. Trent works with refugees and internationals in Clarkston, Georgia. And now, New Orleans, one of the city's hardest hit by the coronavirus pandemic. Kay Bennett is a Send Relief missionary there at the Baptist Friendship House. Kay and her volunteers work with people who live on the street especially those who are in danger of being caught up in human trafficking. Once again, here's Stories of Hope producer, Tony Hudson. 
Kay Bennett, here we are talking about coronavirus. Yes. What are you hearing from people on the streets in New Orleans? Uh, I think the main thing was that uh, a lot of places where they go and get food and get their basic needs met were closing. And, and another thing that people many times don't realize is homeless are vulnerable. Uh, and so their immune systems are not great many times anyway. So uh, with something like this around, it's kind of scary. And they don't have a TV most of the time where they're keeping up with the local news and what's going on. So that was one thing we were trying to do here at Friendship House. I pre printed out handouts and current information and things that they could do uh, to try and stay safe. Uh, but yeah, there was there was some alarm among them wondering where they were going to get their basic needs met. God has called you to help others. Yes. Is this a frustrating time? I mean, do you wish you could do more than what you're able to do right now? Uh, yeah, because you want to do something to help. Spending more time with God, uh, growing and learning from Him. I know one thing that just stuck out to me was uh, I was here and survived Katrina and so I've watched God make good things come out of seemingly bad things. And so I know that he's at work and that there are going to be lives changed and doors open to, to share Jesus and his love with others that probably have never been opened before. You mentioned Hurricane Katrina. Does anything about this time feel to you like Katrina? Yes, it does for the fact that uh, it's really quiet here outside. Uh, there's not a lot of people in town. As you know, New Orleans is a tourist city. And to walk down the street and nobody walk past you, uh, yeah, that's a little bit like Katrina. That was Kay Bennett in New Orleans. Next, a community that is culturally about as far from the French Quarter as you will ever get. Here's Stories of Hope producer Tony Hudson with Rob Allen, director of the Send Relief Ministry Center in Appalachia. Rob, you told me right before we started recording that you were crazy busy right now. It seems like when the rest of the world is shutting down, you're ramping up. Am I right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we've not shut down at all. If anything, uh, you know, for us, we've got uh, the warehouse that where we respond to a lot of these needs. And, uh, you know, we we had what seemed like a, uh, a decent amount of supplies as far as masks and uh, personal protection items when you're responding to uh, events that come up via tornadoes, flooding, hurricanes, and uh, just trying to get supplies to the right places and allowing people to, to do ministry has been, uh, been a little challenging. But you are actually getting those supplies to the people in places that need it, correct? Absolutely. Uh, and I'm trying to trying to see the positive in this, that uh, ultimately this is a time that the church can uh, rise up and be the church. So uh, for the standpoint of uh, Appalachia, what we do here and how we play a role in helping attack this can be seen throughout the United States. And it's one of the uh, one of the blessings that we've had here that uh, oftentimes the folks in Appalachia are seen as the recipients of uh, the need or, or of the resources. And uh, it's at a time like this that we may be able to uh, step up and be the givers of those resources. That was Rob Allen in Ashland, Kentucky. 600 miles from Ashland, Taylor Field leads the work at Graffiti Baptist Center on Manhattan's Lower East Side. Taylor lives in one of the most densely populated cities on earth, 
and he works in a community where, for people who live on the street, quarantine is next to impossible. Once again, here's Stories of Hope producer Tony Hudson talking now with Taylor Field. Taylor, the last few weeks have been really stressful and scary for everybody, but most of us at least have somewhere to go. We have somewhere to shelter. That's correct. What are you hearing from people there on the street, the ones who have nowhere to go? Well, people are vulnerable, people that are homeless, people that don't have a shelter or maybe adequate medical uh, access. Um, it's just a very high sense of anxiety for them at this point. And as, as you said, understandably so. What's going to happen? And then, as you know, with some of the subcultures on the street, there's certainly a, a strain of independence and toughness, and no one's going to tell me what to do. And so it's like fear is contagious. But so is courage. And uh, there's an opportunity here. Well, since you brought it up, Taylor, what kinds of opportunities are you seeing right now? Many of our programs now, Tony, are, are closed. Uh, clothing ministry, our ESL, computer classes, high school equivalency, all have been closed because of the gatherings. And even many of our ministries to the homeless, uh, they can't gather inside. That's been one of our big focuses. So we're doing here, they call them grab and go we are providing meals on the street where they can take them and go so there's not a congregation. Uh, but we're also using those opportunities to uh, talk to people one-on-one. And uh, my position is this. It's like when you read the Old Testament and the story of Joseph, that when you can't change the season, take advantage of it. And now, from New York City to Puerto Rico, Jonathan Santiago runs the Send Relief Ministry Center there. And for people who live on what's called the Enchanted Island, Coronavirus is just the latest crisis in a decade that's been full of disasters. Here's Tony Hudson talking with Jonathan Santiago. Jonathan, we know that this is not even the first crisis of the year in Puerto Rico. It seems like a long time ago that the earthquakes there were the lead story on everybody's newsfeed. Am I right? Yeah. Well, it's interesting that that, that you mentioned that because I had a conversation with someone recently and they said, well, it seems like in Puerto Rico we live uh, in crisis mode uh, constantly. Uh, you know, we had uh, the economic uh, meltdown for a period of, you know, 10 years or so. And then uh, Maria devastated uh, the island completely. And, it, you know, you had people, uh, you had about 35,000 families still living on the blue uh, roofs uh, over two years after Hurricane Maria. Uh, and then at the beginning of this year, uh, uh, the earthquakes uh, happened in the southern tier uh, of the island. Uh, then coronavirus happened. Um, so it's it seems like for uh, a period of 10 to 12 years, uh, Puerto Rico has been uh, constantly uh, trying to uh, bring some top stability to, to the population. So coming right out of trying to provide earthquake relief, have you been able to do anything at all? Absolutely. Uh, we said, okay, so um, we know we had to do something. Uh, and, and, and we had just, just come out of a, uh, a response uh, for the earthquakes. So we got to work and we said, okay, so we have uh, 50 churches. Um, so we, we, what we did, we made a delivery schedule. And then all 50 churches received their uh, 50 grocery bags. Um, and inside those grocery bags, there was uh, enough for 20 
uh, uh, 20 meals. So is there a positive? Absolutely. Uh, not just through Maria and the earthquakes, but even in this situation. Uh, God has given us an opportunity to leave the building and to be the church uh, where he called us to be the church. Jonathan Santiago directs Send Relief Ministry on the island of Puerto Rico. And now, from Puerto Rico to Pittsburgh. Our final conversation is with Adam Sewell. Adam is the director of the Send Relief Ministry Center there. It's located in a community where many people already needed help with food and clothing and shelter, even before the coronavirus began to spread. A few days ago, Stories of Hope producer Tony Hudson talked with Adam about timing and how right now was perhaps the worst time of the year for something like this to happen. Adam, before we started recording, you were telling me that this was such an important time of the year because you were counting on spring break mission teams that now are not coming. How has that affected you all? Well, um, I think the the big the big shift, at least from Center Leaf World, um, is we, you know, for us, dude, we had multiple trips lined up for the next month and a half. I think we have four or five over the next six weeks. So we're we're just trying to readjust to what life's going to be just, you know, locally. So what's cool about that is that, you know, now there's a lot more local ownership on the churches here because, Hey guys, like we're, we're, we're it. There's no help coming from the South or any other partner churches at the moment. And so we're having to tell our guys like this, this is our time to step up because we're, we're seeing the stress levels really begin to rise here. Uh, and so now we have to respond. You know what I mean? You have uh, young kids, as we just heard. <laughs> right. <laughs> and like- I'm, I'm upstairs in a closed room. <laughs> and you still hear, that, that's our three-year-old. That, that's okay. All of us with kids understand. Uh, 20 years from now, what are you going to tell them about this time? Yeah, 20 years from now, I'm going to tell them the church rose to the occasion when there was a need that we've never seen before. And the church was alive and well uh, in a city where everything else seemed to be shut down. I want them to know that, that the church responded. They responded to sin relief and they responded just because that's what we're called to do as the church. So that that's the narrative I want to sh- I want, I'm going to share with my sons in 20 years. This has been Stories of Hope from Send Relief. Today's episode, The Age of Coronavirus, Part 5. If you'd like to learn more about how you can help Send Relief Ministry Centers respond to the COVID-19 crisis, go to sendrelief.org. If you'd like to hear more stories like these, you can subscribe to the Stories of Hope podcast. When you do so, you'll automatically get a new episode every two weeks. Go to Apple or Spotify podcasts and search for Stories of Hope. And finally, if you liked what you heard here, rate us and leave a review. That'll help other people find us and enjoy these stories too. We'll be back in one week with Stories of Hope.